Thank you, choir and team. Take your Bible. Let's go to Acts chapter 16 this morning. We'll begin reading in verse 11 and read through verse 15 and skip down to the end of the chapter in verses 38, 39, and 40. Uh, welcome to every one of you. Glad that you were here. Those online with us, thank you for uh, being a part and uh, joining us on this good Sunday morning uh, here at 11 o'clock at Olive. Welcome, everyone. Uh, glad you're here. This kind of feels like the first Sunday of the year to me a little bit. And uh, I know last Sunday was, but uh, I'm not sure it counted uh, on the first. I mean, people were still scattered a thousand different ways. But a uh, great group of folks back, early service and this as well. So thank you for coming and uh, being here in this place. Well, we're making our way through the book of Acts, and I've been lingering in chapter 16. I just didn't feel like I finished. And uh, I, I want to drill down on this last point. There's three things I want to share. But the last, I don't think I've ever preached uh, on this uh, until today. And I, I want to kind of unpack that uh, for a little bit. But we find uh, Paul coming uh, into the city of Philippi. He's going to meet this sweet, dear lady, Lydia. And we're going to talk out of the background of her conversion and uh, see that God would speak to us in a message I've entitled, When the Lord Opens Your Heart. Acts 16. We began reading in verse 11. And read through verse 15 to begin with you follow along because this now is the word of our great God. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You ever known a woman like Lydia? She prevailed upon us. Well, yes, amen. We know several that way. Well, they did. They went in and stayed after Lydia got saved. And then they went on and the uh, demoniac, uh, the demon-filled woman uh, was uh, turned and saved and God uh, cleansed her. And out of that, there came a citywide disturbance, and Paul is thrown in jail along with the other apostles. Uh, we know that that uh, jailhouse was shaken, and the jailer got saved, and God let them out. And as they came out, we pick up the text again in verse 38. The policeman reported these words to the chief magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. And they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. The Bible speaks a lot about the heart. Genesis 8:21 says, "The intent of man's heart 
is evil from his youth. Jeremiah said it in 17 in verse 9. The heart is deceitful. And desperately, the New American Standard says sick. The King James says wicked. It is ill. It has a malignancy. The heart is deceitful and desperately grieved and wicked. Well, when Paul came to this seaside prayer meeting, it was ladies there. They didn't have enough men for a synagogue, so they went out to the place of prayer, and the ladies had gathered. Paul preached, and the Bible says that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. There in verse 14. Now, never misunderstand this. God opened her heart. It is God and God alone who saves. It is God and God alone who changes the heart of a man or a woman. You cannot save yourself. We will arise and go to Jesus. You heard that song and it spoke about the only thing we, we have is, is our frailty. We have nothing but a wicked heart, but God comes and through the preaching of the gospel, he, he breaks the heart open and, and the old dead heart <laughs> is made of flesh, Elijah, uh, Ezekiel said, and, and we live. That heart that is crusty is opened that heart that did not beat begins to have a spiritual beat into it and God opens the heart and when he opened her heart she responded it says to the thing spoken by Paul well if you're saved God opened your heart he came somewhere and arrested you and found you like he did Lydia like he did Paul and he opens the heart. The question is, when God opens the heart, what happens in this person's life? Well, I want to show you three things. And the last thing I want to kind of hammer down on for just a few minutes extra uh, this morning. When the Lord opens your heart, number one, salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure when God opens your heart. Lydia is a businesswoman from Thyatira. The Greek construct here is really this was a woman of Lydia. Lydia was a region where Thyatira was, where the seven churches of Asia Minor are. Uh, Lydia, you'll find it on the maps that are there. It's in, on the southern part of the seacoast. Uh, that Lydia, she was a woman of Lydia and known by that, her name being Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She sold purple cloth there in Thyatira. Uh, they were extracting this blue dye uh, from a shellfish, and it was how they created uh, this blue cloth. And she was selling it, now traveling as an entrepreneur. And she had come to this city in Philippi, and she was out, says she was a worshiper of God. She was one that sought after the Lord. And while she was in the prayer meeting, she heard Paul preaching about uh, the crucified and resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She heard the gospel, and the Lord opened her heart. And she responded with repentance and faith to the gospel. Now, friend, your salvation will be secure. Once saved, always saved. If you want to use that phrase, not a Bible phrase, but it's a Bible truth. That, that once you are redeemed, you're always 
and God uses several phrases. Here he calls us children of God. We're born. He, he calls us of the family uh, of God. There's a place where he talks about the people of God being the army of the Lord. Bertha Smith, the old missionary to China, single, never married. Bertha said one of her favorite phrases about the people of God is that when you get saved, God opens your heart. He makes you a part of the bride of Christ. Bertha said three things about that. She said, if you're going to be a bride, you must be chosen. Someone comes and pops the question. And he says, will you? She says, the Lord chooses us to be a part of the bride. She says, secondly, not only as the bride of Christ are we chosen, but we are loved forever. She said, you know, Bible love in a marriage is that way. You make your commitment until death. I am there. Let me tell you, friend, the Lord loves you, and your salvation is eternal. It is secure because he loves you until it's over, until eternity. Bertha said, you're chosen. Miss Bertha said that it's an everlasting love. Miss Bertha said, we're a part of the bride of Christ because that's where children come from. She never had children, though she was a part of the bride of Christ. She was never married. But she said, oftentimes, and she said most often, in marriages, children come. And she said that's the way it is, a part of the bride of Christ. The church is that way, and we have children, and people are born again. As they come and they are secure. Those kids are always yours. Why? Because your blood is coursing through their veins. There can be a falling out, but you're always your mother and father's child. That's security. Friend, when you're born of the Spirit of God and He opens your heart, you are His forever. Peter said that the Lord is not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Amen. In 1 John 2 and verse 2, he is the propitiation for our sin, not just for our sin, for the sin of the whole world, he said. It's not his will any should perish, but that all would come and have their heart opened unto him. So I want to ask you today, what, what condition is your heart? Is your heart opened? Has God opened your heart to God? Do you have an old crusty hard heart? Or has God come and breathe life into your heart? It's what the gospel does. The gospel comes and brings life. And God opens our hearts so that we respond with repentance and faith unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, when God opens your heart, we see that salvation is secure. Secondly, not only is salvation secure, but when God opens your heart, salvation is symbolized. It's symbolized. Notice in this text, in verse 15, that after the Lord opened her heart to the things spoken, when she and her household had been baptized, that word means to plunge, they were saved and then they were baptized. Now, after God opens your heart and you're saved, you ought to be baptized. You ought to be baptized in a place like this or like we were down at the uh, Gulf not long ago, a few weeks back. 
the marvelous baptismal service there with 30 some odd people being baptized and the blue angels flew over. Uh, wow, it was quite a day. I had more than one ask me, he said, Pastor, how'd you pull that off getting the blue angels to come? I said, well, you just got to know people. I'm just telling you, amen. <laughs> hey, they come home every Sunday afternoon right down through there, all right? You, you just got to baptize at the right time. That's, that's what it is. Don't know people, you got to know what time it is, Amen. They came by. It was a marvelous time as we saw those people baptized. Baptism does not make you a Christian. Because you are a Christian, you're supposed to be baptized. Baptizo, to be plunged. All through Scripture, we find it. Lydia, saved, baptized. Paul, in chapter 9, verse 18, saved, baptized. The jailer, in chapter 16, verse 33, he believed he was baptized. My favorite one is Acts 18, 8. Crispus, Crispus was saved and he was baptized. And later in the Philippian letter, Paul will speak of Crispus as though he didn't baptize everyone, but he baptized Crispus. Well, dear friend, whoever you are today, if you've had God open your heart and you're a saved man or woman, you ought to be baptized. Don't get that backwards. You're not baptized and then you're saved. You're saved and then you are to be baptized. I remember when I was baptized, I was a 10-year-old boy. God opened my heart during vacation Bible school on a Thursday. I came forward on a Friday. I was baptized the following uh, Sunday, two days later. Brother Nolan, he's a, Brother Nolan Ford, he looked like the biggest man I'd ever seen. Of course, I was just 10 years old. We walked into that baptismal tank, that old rusty bottom tank. Back in those days, I don't know why Baptist preachers always did it. We won't do it anymore. They always had a handkerchief. And when they baptized you, they took that handkerchief and they smothered you with it. And then they put you uh, under and then they'd ring it out next, they, you know, and they, no COVID protocol whatsoever, all right? You, you just did it. That's, I don't know. That's, that's the way they did it. Well, that's the way I was baptized. And friend, if you've been saved, you ought to be baptized. And if you say, well, I was baptized way back there, then I got saved, well, then you hadn't been baptized. You just got wet. You, you come to salvation, God opens your heart, and then you are baptized. And somebody here this morning ought to walk down here at just a moment and take me by and say, Pastor, I'm ready. This is my day. I, I, God's opened my heart. I understand the gospel. Jesus died for me. They buried him. He rose victorious. He paid my sin debt. He's opened my heart today, and I've come to confess him, and I'm ready to be baptized. Then you ought to do that. You ought to come today. That's the symbolism. You're placed under the water, symbolic of the death of Christ, like being buried in a ground, in a grave, raised out of that watery grave, like the victory of Jesus in resurrection. Don't just rub a little water on you. We don't bury people with their arm and legs sticking up out the ground. It's a total immersion. Jesus was put in that cave and completely covered. You're buried, and then God raises. That's the symbol. It's not what saves you. It's because you have been saved that you are baptized. You say, well, I was baptized as a baby, and is that good? I said, it's not bad, but it's not this. I always ask people when they ask me that question, I said, do you remember being baptized as a baby? And they said, well, of course not. I, I said, well, that's something your parents did for you. This is the stand you take for Christ yourself. Amen. This is your personal identification with Christ. 
I'm not going to curse your doing that with children. I'm going to I'm just telling you, that's not what this is. They were baptized. Those in her house got saved, and then they were baptized. And so it's the symbolism of salvation. So salvation is secure. God opens your heart. Amen. Salvation is symbolized. You're buried into the water and raised, and you ought to come and say yes to the Lord. And today, schedule a time. Let's baptize. Say, Pastor, the scripture, most of the time they were saved and they baptized, amen, immediately. I'll baptize you after this service if you want to be baptized. You want to do it today? I don't even know if the water's hot or cold, but uh, I had a pastor friend here in our city several weeks ago. He called me or he sent me a text on a Sunday morning. He's a brand new pastor. He'd never pastored a church before. And so he'll ask me things from time to time. And he said, I have Three people scheduled to be baptized, but they called me this morning, and they said the heater went out on the baptistry. What should I do? (laughs) I said, they will never forget it. (laughs) Go, man, go. Yeah, and he did. And he said, it was chilly water. I said, well, hallelujah. I said, they'll never forget the day they were baptized when the heater went out. Thank God for chilly waters. Uh, to be baptized. I don't know what your need is, but you ought to symbolize if you know the Lord and he's opened your heart, come and be baptized. Come today. Let me know. You need to be about that. Then thirdly, I want you to see that salvation is secured when God opens your heart. Salvation is symbolized when God opens your heart. But when God opens your heart, salvation is shown. It is shown. Now, look at this. The Bible says in verse 15 that Lydia, she was baptized, then she urged us, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. Then you get down to verse number 40. They've dealt with a demonic woman. The community had an uproar. They wound up in jail. God got them out. And then we come... To verse 39, they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they begged them to leave the city. said, get out of here. You've upset this whole town. Get out. Verse 40 says, they went out of the prison. And where did they go? They went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them, and they departed. When God opens your heart, you'll forever know you're going to heaven when you die. You will at that moment symbolize it with baptism. But your lifestyle is to show that Jesus has opened your heart. How is that shown? Well, in Lydia's life, when God opened her heart, Lydia opened her home. You need to open your home under the gospel. The word is called hospitality. It's used six times in the New Testament. Hospitality. It's it's two Greek words put together. It's like screwing a nut on a bolt. The first word is the bolt. It is the word philios. There are three words for love in the New Testament. There's agape, the godly love. There's 
eros, the erotic love. And thirdly in Greek, there's phileo, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a friendship kind of love. This word, hospitality, found six times in the Greek New Testament, begins with phileos. And the nut that you put on it is the back end of the word. And that word is stranger. To be hospitable literally means to love a stranger. You see, just somebody you never met could be. Or someone you really don't know that you've never had in your home before. But hospitality opens the home. Six times, I want to show it to you. There are three people in Scripture that are qualified by hospitality. One of them is the widow indeed. The widow indeed. We'll have our widow's banquet here before long. Uh, the principes leading out and last year's deacon chairman. There are widows, and then the Bible says there are widows indeed. These are the ones you take care of. Well, one of the marks of a widow indeed is found in 1 Timothy 5, in verse 10, it says she has a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up her children, and if she has shown hospitality to strangers, and if she's washed the feet of the saints, and if she's assisted those in distress, and if she's devoted herself to every good work, if she has shown hospitality. And it goes on to say, then, that kindness to strangers. The widows in, in the church are to be people of hospitality. Secondly, the overseer or the pastor. That word overseer is episcopus. We get the word episcopos out of that, to see over. The one who oversees the church, the bishop, the pastor. He also is to be marked two times, it says in 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 2. An overseer then must be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. There's our word, and able to teach. Then to Titus, Paul said it this way in Titus 1 and verse number 8, but be hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. Not only is the widow to show hospitality, the pastor is to be hospitable. This morning I was over in the office and Jeremy Portman, who's our administrative uh, leader, I saw he came walking through and I, I could tell he was not angry, but he was kind of in a huff. And, and I said, well, what's up? What, what's going on? He said, well, there's a guy out here and he needed help and, and, uh, and we're trying to get it done and his car's messed up and all that. And I said, well, what'd you do? He said, we just took care of it. I said, well, praise God. He did the right thing with a stinky attitude. So it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than doing the wrong thing. You know, nobody ever needs hospitality at a convenient moment. <laughs> Showing love to the stranger. The widows are to do it. The pastors are to do it. But there are three other verses that says all of us are supposed to do it. Listen to the Word of God, Romans 12 and verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing, there's our word, 
Love for the stranger. Hospitality. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Oh, what a powerful verse. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. It even uses the word stranger twice. Don't neglect to do that. Why? Because for some by this have entertained angels and didn't even know it. Amen. And then in 1 Peter 4 and verse 9, be hospitable one to another without complaint. Have you ever been hospitable with complaint? It's not the same. My wife is, is very hospitable. She loves to entertain, and uh, she's very good at it. I was preaching Friday night and Friday morning and Friday night in Texas. I preached Friday morning, drove to College Station, see Liz's uncle who in the hospital, came back, preached that night. And then Friday evening, the pastor, Julie Chaddick, had us all over to her house. A marvelous spread of food and fellowship. She's got a young daughter that's being... Uh, courted by several schools to play basketball and we just had a delightful conversation about all of that her son is uh, helping in ministry and they just man it was wonderful they had all the preachers and all the singers oh we had a house full of people I'd never been to their home but they just rolled out the carpet and said come on in not everyone has that gift or wants to do that but all of us can be hospitable. Why? Because the Spirit of God said, because God's changed your heart. He's opened your heart. And Lydia said, come on in, be in my house. And notice what the Bible says in verse 40. They got out of prison and they went to Lydia's house. Look at it, verse 40. They were out of the prison. They entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren. <laughs> now, I have to get a little creative sometimes in preaching and thinking. So, who were the who did they see when they walked into Lydia's house? Well, we don't know for sure, but number one, Lydia was there. Her household was there, whoever they were. Something in my mind says the jailer was there. That old boy got saved down at the jailhouse. God shook that thing. That was not where Jailhouse Rock came from. Is it altogether different? <laughs> he rocked the jail. I got a feeling that Paul walked in as he stepped across the threshold. He looked and said, that, that's the guy that washed the stripes on my back. Because when that jailer got saved, he cleaned him up, bandaged his wounds. Hmm. I wonder if that little girl that had been demon-possessed and he had cast the death, I wonder if he stepped in. So, oh, darling, she was there. And the hospitality was a fellowship. I don't know who was there. I wonder if Epaphroditus was there. Paul loved Epaphroditus. As a matter of fact, he's one of my favorite characters in all the Word of God. Epaphroditus, he cared for Paul, and he did a lot of work in Philippi. As a matter of fact, he brought the offering to Philippi. That may be because of why he's my favorite character. I don't know, but he, he brought the offering, and maybe he stepped in, and there was old Epaphroditus. But I tell you, I know somebody that was there. King Jesus was there. 
They didn't see him with their eyes, but where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. There am I. There am I. There am I. Paul walked in, and he was in the midst. Some of you, God's going to open your heart today. You make your profession. And some of you say, well, you know, Pastor, I would, but I got a problem. I don't, I don't know if I can live up to it. Listen to this. When Jesus saves you today, he has already factored in your stupidity of tomorrow. His grace is truly amazing. Let me say it one more time. When Jesus saves you today, he's already factored in your stupidity of Tomorrow, his grace is truly amazing. We all blow it. We all goof up. You say, well, I've never. Well, you just did. I say, it's not any of us perfect. We struggle, but the Spirit of God cleanses and encourages. And that's where Some of us need to learn to use our home. Some of you this year need to think about having your neighbor over, being hospitable. I walked out a few days ago. It just seems to me like the mail is getting later and later coming to my house. And I think it's this season and, you know, they're tired. So I went down, and as I went to check the mail, the, the buggy came by, the little mail truck. And she was there, and she can't get away because she's sitting on the wrong side of the car. And I knew she was trying to get it in there in a hurry because she saw me out of her peripheral vision. And she didn't want to talk to me. I said, ma'am. And she knew she's caught because she works for me. I pay my taxes, she works for me. And she turned and I said, with the gruffest voice I knew, I said, can you tell me, well, let me just say, thank you for bringing my bills to me. I'm grateful for you. She pushed that thing into neutral. She thanked me and smiled. Do you know it only takes this much to be hospitable? And it takes less than that to be a jerk. And if you think they're not watching, they want to know why are you different. I shared that with our staff this morning. One of my staffers laughed out loud, one of our staffers. They laughed out. He said, Pastor, we talked to our mail carrier the other day. We were having breakfast. We invited them in. They came in and had breakfast with us. I said, you kidding? I said, no wonder they's late coming to my house. You're feeding them down at your house. He said, they were just tired through the holiday. and We just quickly gave them a snack. Hospitality. It's one of the largest Investments you ever make is where you live. Either you rent it or you've purchased. 
And I'm telling you, you ought to lay that largest investment at Jesus' feet and say, Lord God, use every inch of this place for your glory. And invite your neighbors to come. Eat at your table. And sometimes it's even better if it's a little messy because they don't think you're perfect. And you just roll out the carpet and you love them. And when the opportunity is right, you're able to give the gospel. Lydia, seller of purple, worshiper of God, baptized believer. And she welcomed them into her home. We never hear of her again. Where'd she go? She just kept on doing what she is doing. And one day, God's going to take us to heaven. And when we walk in, one of the people you get to talk to is the Lydian woman, the seller of purple. And she can tell you who was in that house when Paul walked in out of jail for family fellowship. I'm going to pray a prayer, and after I pray, when John sings this song, God's opened your heart, come tell us about it today. If you need to be baptized, come tell us about it today. You got something in your life you need to lay at the altar, come today. You need to lay your house at the altar for hospitality, then you come this day. Father, I thank you for the glorious gospel of Jesus living, dying, rising, saving, and opening our heart. Make us, Lord, to be a church filled with hospitality here and Christians in our homes filled with hospitality there. Lord, for that one that you're opening their heart, I pray they come today. For those needing to be baptized, Lord, give them courage to step forward. And help us as we lead them. Lord, add to your family of olives. In Jesus' name. I listen almost every week to my hero, Dr. W.A. Christmas. While I'm walking. And I always listen because the, the last line, I don't turn it off. I just want to see if he's going to say it again. And he does every time. He said, I'm going to invite you to come. A whole family. Come give me a hand. Give God your heart. A couple, you. Come, a couple. Give me a hand. Give God your heart. And then he always adds this. Or just one somebody, you. Just one somebody, you. You come, give me a hand. Let God open your heart. Whole family, a couple, you. Or just one somebody you and God's opening your heart today. This is your day as you decide for Christ. You come and we will gladly attend you in this way. On our feet, we are all over this room standing. John singing, I'm here, others waiting for you. You step out.